it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Love this podcast because it crushes your dreams of getting rich quick. They actually got me into reading stats for anything. You're tuned in to the Investing for Beginners podcast. Led by Andrew Sather and Dave Ahern. Step-by-step premium investing guidance for beginners. Your path to financial freedom starts now. Starts now. All right, folks, welcome to Investing for Beginners podcast. Today, we're going to do a bird's eye view of the Mercedes-Benz group. So we're going to talk about the car company. This is going to be a lot of fun. So we got this great question that's kind of spurring our conversation today. So I'll go ahead and read it. I have, I was wondering what you think of a company like Mercedes-Benz group, ticker MBGAF. It seems to be a major player in the car industry as well as seemingly having solid financials. The only red flag I'm seeing is a 9% dividend yield, which on the surface is good. I know high dividend yields could be dividend traps. I was curious what your thoughts were, Ryan. So, Andrew, let's talk a little bit about Mercedes-Benz Group. Do you want to give everybody the deets on how to find the ticker and how much fun we had with that? (laughs) Yeah. So, we're definitely going to tell you the bird's eye view, what really stuck out to us with the numbers for Mercedes-Benz, and talk a lot about the qualitative factors, which actually play a big role in looking at a stock like this in our mind. But before we do that, if you're following along at home and you run into trouble like we did, researching Mercedes-Benz Group it could confuse you because the company used to be called Daimler AG, and then they did a spinoff where they put the truck segment which is you know big 18-wheeler kind of trucks, that spun off into Damler truck. And then the other part is now Mercedes-Benz Group AG. And there's actually two tickers for that. They both trade over the counter. There's MBGAF and MBGYY. The MBGYY is an ADR, which is a way for a U.S. investor to buy shares in an international stock, but you don't directly hold those shares. So it's very confusing. If you use like one of my favorite tools, quickfs.com, and I looked for Mercedes-Benz, they showed the old ticker, which was DDAIF. And so you might have some financial websites that show that. 
But after they did the spin and the merge and they transferred the ticker over, they changed their name. So the listener, Ryan, right? Yep. He had it correct. Go with the MBGAF. And hopefully that clears it up if you're trying to follow along at home. It takes a little bit of time, but yeah, that's kind of the situation, I guess, a little backstory, if you will, on Mercedes-Benz and why they're called that today. Yeah, that's very interesting. That was very helpful to, I know when we were working through that, that was a bit of a challenge. So we were kind of going back and forth on trying to figure out which was which. So hopefully that clears it it up for people that are newer to this. So I guess let's talk a little bit about Mercedes-Benz Group. When you were looking through kind of the financials of the company, what did you see that kind of stood out as maybe a positive and maybe a negative? Obviously, Mercedes-Benz is a super cool company. If you've stepped outside your door, you've seen how nice their vehicles are. They are nice. They have always been nice. Obviously, this isn't very scientific, but a company called Innerbrand ranks the best global brands. They actually have Mercedes-Benz as number eight out of the entire world. So number one's Apple, two, Amazon, three, Microsoft, and then eight is Mercedes-Benz, just behind Toyota. And actually ahead of Tesla, which was 14. That's kind of interesting. So my first impression, obviously, is it's a very cool car, very cool company. The other thing looking at the numbers is that the ROIC, or Return on Invested Capital, had a big boost in the previous year but historically has been low. And so when I say low, it's been, and this was like before the spinoff, it's been seven, six, eight percent. It's a little bit lower than I like to see. Uh, what are your thoughts on the ROIC? The ROIC was definitely lower than I would like to see. For those out there, maybe we could give a kind of a brief overview of kind of what return on ROIC really means. It's a metric that uh, Andrew and I throw around a lot with each other. It's a very important metric for us. But for those of you maybe out there that are not familiar with that, do you want to kind of give them an overview of what ROIC stands for and kind of what it means? Yeah, I mean, you've spoken many times before on the show, for a company to grow in general, they have to invest capital. So they take some of their profits and they throw it back into the business. And that can take a lot of different forms. You can have a car company like Mercedes-Benz Group, they might start a manufacturing plant somewhere, and that would be a huge amount of capital they would need. But now they can make you know, hundreds of thousands of more vehicles because of their investment. And so what Return on Invested Capital tries to do is tell you how much profit a company is making in general based on those investments. And so a company with an ROIC of 20% is producing a lot more profit per factory than somebody with like a six ROIC. And if the ROIC is too low, it's going to be hard for you to make money as an investor over the long term. Because if a company, even if they have high profits, if they're taking $100 in profits and only making like 2% on that, that's only a 2% gain, a 2% growth rate. And then you do that year after year after year, they're going to have to throw a lot of capital to grow. So in the short term, you know, companies can get away with it, but over the long term, it makes it hard to compound. And so that's why in general, in the simplest of terms, that's why ROIC is important. Yeah, that's very well said. I think one of the things that when people think about a metric like ROIC, 
It's important to understand it in relevance to what the company is trying to do. And Andrew put it very succinctly, the uh, 2% return is very, very low or a growth rate of 2% is very, very low. And so a very capital intensive business like a Mercedes Benz would be to build a factory that's not cheap. <laughs> and there's a couple bucks going into doing something like that. And that's really one of the ways that a company like Mercedes Benz can grow because if they have more capacity, in other words, they can put out more cars, then in theory, if they have a lot of demand for their vehicles, then they can sell more and they can generate more revenue. But the flip side of that is that it comes down to the cost of what it costs them to build that factory. And the ROIC is a way that a company or an investor can measure those investments. And Warren Buffett always likes to talk about how he looks for companies that do a great job of returning capital to investors because over a long period of time, a company that has higher returns on capital or invested capital are going to generate better returns over a longer period of time. For those of you out there that are familiar with Costco, that's one of the reasons why the company has succeeded for such a long time is because they continue to return these great returns on capital over time after time after time consistently over a very long period of time even though the company has always been, air quote, expensive during that same period. So that's how a company like that can justify its higher earnings because it's worth more. So I think a way to think about that, when you see a company that's generating a 20% return on capital or invested capital, think of that in dollar terms. So 20% of a dollar is 20 cents. So every 20 cents they're investing, that's the return that they're generating for that investment of a dollar. So the 2% example that Andrew was showing, that's two cents on a dollar. So if, if you think of the 20 cents versus two cents, which would you rather have? I think we'd all, <laughs> I think we'd all choose the 20 cents. And that's kind of the same idea when you're thinking about looking for companies to invest in is companies that generate those higher returns are going to have better returns over the longer period of time because they can generate more growth from their investments. And that's really what ROIC is helping you is helping tell you is that a company that has higher returns on invested capital will have greater returns over a longer period of time. And it's kind of this flywheel, if you will, that they, the higher their returns on invested capital, the less they have to invest. And so it just becomes this kind of cycle that, that they can just continue to grow and grow and grow. And that's what a company like Google and Microsoft have done so well over the last five to 10 years. And those are the things that, that I guess we look for. Do we want to touch on? Maybe the differences between, I think, would we agree that Mercedes-Benz is probably more on the mature side of a business compared to Tesla, for example, if we wanted to compare ROICs of those kinds of companies? Budgeting was always a challenge for me. I struggled to find the best way to keep track of all of my money, not to mention all the time tracking down receipts, cataloging expenses, and trying to figure out what went wrong with my air quote system until Monarch Money. Monarch Money allowed me to easily see what is going on with my finances, helping me get a better handle on my spending, budgets, and more. It's my go-to app every day, more so than my bank, because I can quickly see where I am with my budgets and spending, allowing me to invest more and spend time on the things that I want to do. It's my GPS for money. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. 
and now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up, customize, and use. Monarch has built-in features to collaborate with your partner, family, or financial advisor. Invite them to your account at no extra cost, and they'll get their own login info and a joint view of all of your finances. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. Change the layout of your dashboard, toggle between light and dark mode, create custom budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions and notifications, and more. In fact, Monarch Money is one of the first to bring you direct Apple Card, Apple Cash, and savings syncing with the latest iOS 17.4 update. Now you can sync your wallet directly for seamless budgeting. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's a top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash beginners. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash beginners for your extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever was in my wallet, but I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Yeah, definitely want to compare the ROICs. And that would be, I think, the next natural step is ROIC all on its own. It's a good kind of way to take the temperature, kind of get your head in a certain spot, but you also need to put it in context. So because this is a show for beginners and I want people to learn these concepts, we oversimplify. But if you see a company with ROIC of 60, it doesn't mean they're going to grow 60% every year. There's a lot of other factors. Part of the factor is they don't generally reinvest all of their profits. They have to do other things with the money. So let's remove that first. I think another thing you want to look at, and I I see this with Mercedes-Benz too, so it's relevant. Just happens to be relevant. <laughs> I'm looking at their old financials, which was pre all the, the, the crazy transactions. Okay. 2017 ROIC 6.6, 2018 3.96, 2019 1.22. So it's a downward sloping ROIC. And now I compare that to Tesla 2017 minus 11, minus four, minus three. So Tesla's ROIC goes higher. And by the way, they ROIC positive in 2020 and 2021 according to quickfs.net. And in a similar period, Mercedes-Benz had a downward slope, went up for 2021, but I think we can all agree 2021 was kind of a crazy year. Okay, so what do we determine from all of that? And that's where I think the qualitative part comes into play and really needs to be part of your bird's eye view process when you're trying to sift through a lot of companies. Because we can't just say, oh yeah, all car makers are matured. Because a lot of them are, but then you have a company like Tesla who's really the disruptor in that field. So while some of the older players are maturing and losing business, Tesla is very much still in a growth stage because they're still relatively smaller. They have a lot of potential market to grab. 
And what's that market they're grabbing? It's the old traditional gas-powered vehicles, ICEs, and being replaced by these new electric vehicles, EVs. So I find it interesting that by looking at the ROIC, you say, why is Mercedes-Benz ROIC, not only is it now it's lower than Tesla's, but why was it decreasing while Tesla's was increasing? And I think you can put two and two together to say, well, probably because Tesla got the jump start on EVs. What's the best way to get started in the market? Download Andrew's ebook for free at stockmarketpdf.com. They definitely did. When you think about who the target market is for Tesla to go after, Mercedes-Benz is right at, maybe not at the top, but it's certainly right up there with the kinds of people that are going to buy Mercedes are also going to buy Tesla's. And I know that Mercedes is working towards having an electric vehicle and they may already have one. I don't know, but they are definitely behind the curve when it comes to where Tesla is. And that is definitely eating into, into their profits, their margins, their ROIC. All of those things are being affected because of what Tesla is doing. And I think that kind of illustrates what Andrew was talking about with the qualitative factors without even looking at the numbers. If you think of Mercedes Benz, you think of really luxury, really nice cars, very fancy, air quote, if you will, and not cheap. And then if you think of Tesla, you think of cool, hip, you know, kind of up and coming, maybe not as expensive, but certainly still on the same, I guess, you know, luxury level as Mercedes would be. And so if you kind of think of those, I mean, I personally, I have this vision of, you know, an older gentleman smoking a cigar driving a Mercedes. And I think of a younger, hipper guy like you driving a Tesla. And, you know, so that's just my mental image of the different companies. And I think when you're assessing industries and companies, you know, some of those things are, you know, it's a stereotype for a reason. And there's reasons to look at that. But I think if you look at the growth of a company like Tesla compared to what Mercedes-Benz is producing, it's very, very low. And I'm not sure what the GDP in Germany is, but if it's anything like the United States, they're not growing as fast as, as their economy. And so that's a troubling sign. And so those are things that when you look at the overall scheme of things, I'm not saying that you know it's a death knell for Mercedes-Benz. I'm not saying that. But I think when you kind of, I guess when I think about those kinds of things, that's something that kind of pops into my mind. So I guess let's kind of maybe try to tie that back into ROIC a little bit more. So if we think about where Tesla is and where they're going and what they're going to have to do to get there compared to Mercedes-Benz, how do you kind of think that ROIC is going to impact those things, how we can measure that a little bit? That's a very good question to ask because, again, when you use ROIC and put context into it. You kind of hinted at it earlier. We're trying to determine, is this company more mature or more emerging? And so kind of in between that is the sweet spot of not completely matured and not completely emerging, but like a solid player in their field. When you have that kind of a situation, a lot of those kind of companies can keep their returns on invested capital consistent for a while because they are dominant. They are great businesses, Microsoft, Apple, Google, great examples, right? You see the high ROIC and you figure, well, it can probably stay that way for a while and they'll just kind of grow on their straight line. And as long as nothing goes wrong, you know, you can kind of reasonably expect that. For a maturing company like Mercedes-Benz or one being disrupted, 
and you see that declining trend, I think in general, you start to get a little bit worried about that. And that's what I would say in general for a matured company that's being disrupted. But I think all the automakers, again, going back to qualitative, all the automakers right now are in a very unique spot because it's not just this Tesla fad. If you look at GM, Ford, I haven't looked closely at Mercedes-Benz because it just hasn't passed my my filters. But GM and Ford, they talk a lot about all the EVs that they're coming out with, the ones that are on the road now, and the amount of reservations they're getting. And it actually kind of surprised me because I find it funny that you think I'm hip, but I don't drive a Tesla and I don't see myself driving one for a while. And so the EV thing really shocks me. What's interesting about that, and I think is just very unique to this particular situation is that from my limited knowledge of EVs, they are generally cheaper and more capital efficient to manufacture than your traditional internal combustion engines were. And so that's going to be very interesting to me because for a long time, I think, for the stock market, if you thought about GM and Ford as investments, you either think of them as matured, low returns on capital, and went bankrupt in 2009 and 0809 or had to get bailed out. That's kind of how I think of them. And I think a lot of people on Wall Street did. But we're in an interesting inflection point now where there are Tesla's kind of the maybe the beacon or like the canary in the coal mine kind of signaling mm-hmm. that, hey, we have a different kind of business model here. And so that leads to the possibility that the ROICs of the past may not be the ROICs of the future. And so I think in different industries, Past ROIC is a good indicator, and in certain ones, it's not. And it all depends on what's going on in those industries. If you're listening to Investing for Beginners, then you probably care about money and learning how to make a good relationship with your finances. Everyone's Talking Money is hosted by money wellness expert and certified financial planner, Shauna Game. Everyone's Talking Money focuses on relevant, inclusive, and forward-thinking conversations around money. Hear about the money topics you need to know, such as ways to train your brain to reach money goals, why you should ditch your budget and start tracking your cash, and everything you need to know about paying off student loans. Simple steps to start investing as a side hustle, ways to invest in rental real estate, how to overcome money trauma, and so much more. With over 900 episodes, there's a show for any and every money question you have. I'm a big fan of Shauna's as well. She has a relatable style and soothing voice that takes some of the stress surrounding money. Shauna really speaks to the listener and never ends in an episode without actionable tips. I recently listened to the episode, Stop Stressing Over Your Money, a simple budgeting solution, where she talks about her simple, easy, one, two, three system for budgeting. It helped me a lot. Are you ready to learn everything about money that no one has taught you? Do yourself a favor and subscribe to Everyone's Talking Money podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I love that idea. And I think when you think about the business model for Tesla versus some of the more traditional ICE companies, a reason why the ROIC for Tesla is going to improve over a longer period is because they have better margins than companies like Mercedes-Benz or Ford or Toyota because of the nature of how the vehicle that they're producing. As Andrew was saying, it's less capital intensive and the products and the supplies that they need to put in the vehicles are cheaper And so they have better opportunity to have bigger margins, which all flows to the free cash flow of the business 
which in turn can give them a better return on invested capital and returns for investors over a longer period of time. And so it's going to be very interesting, I think, over the next five to 10 years as more of these traditional ICE companies move towards a bigger portion of their production being electric and how that will impact those margins in the bottom line of the companies, which flows to the ROIC. And I know that I've looked at GM in the past before, and I was turned away from them because their margins were quite poor. (laughs) And it was very, very thin. And that just made me real nervous. And so it's just not something that I'm comfortable investing in. And so I think as time goes on, it's going to be really interesting to see kind of how a lot of that evolves. And, you know, as Tesla continues to, you know, grow, I think that's going to have even more impact on how a lot of this will happen. And, you know, Jeff Bezos said a long time ago that your margin is my opportunity. And I think as these companies start to, you know, see that Tesla is, you know, cash flow positive and can generate more revenues and grow their margins and you know all those financial metrics that we talk a lot about, other companies are going to try to compete that away. And that's why this is going to be a really interesting field over the next five to 10 years. Tesla definitely has a lead in electric vehicles. There's no question about that. But how these other companies can start to compete on that will be interesting. And you'll probably start to see a company like Ford or GM or Toyota with better returns, better returns on invested capital going forward because they have better margins and they can reinvest at a more efficient rate. Would be very interesting to see. Yeah. Does the question by Ryan being troubled by the dividend yield, does that play any part in all of this, you think? I mean, it's certainly something to give you pause and think about a little bit. You know, I think the car industry is is not my forte. (laughs) You know, I can't even change my own oil. So, I mean, you know, take that for what it's worth. So I think the thing that when I think about a company like this, the company is not going bankrupt by any stretch. They did over $144 billion in revenues last year in euros. And so that's a couple bucks. And just for reference, that's almost double what Tesla did. So it's a big company and they're, they're not going anywhere anytime soon. I guess the question I would ask myself is because the returns on invested capital are so low and I don't know that they're going to be able to improve them much. I don't know how much confidence I would have that the company would be able to generate returns that I would feel like are worthy of me investing in the company. The high dividend yield is simply, I feel like it's more of a function of the company has kind of been, their stock price has been spanked. And it's not necessarily an indication of, you know, a financially strong or weak company. It's just more about the stock price. What are your thoughts? I pretty much completely agree with all of that. doesn't fit with what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to buy something and hopefully forget about it for 10 years or more. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't fit the bill, at least right now. Yep, exactly. And I think one thing that I want to kind of tag on a little bit, one of the things that when you think about ROIC and kind of how that helps function and how companies operate, you might think that we're maybe negative or, you know, thinking negatively about companies that have, have to use a lot of capital to grow. And that's not the case. It's more about the efficiency of the investments as opposed to the actual dollar amounts that companies are spending. Railroads, for example, 
not exactly the sexiest business in the world out there, but they're very capital intensive and they have great returns on invested capital kind of across the board as, as far as the, the industry goes. And trucking, which is something that Andrew knows a little bit more about than I do, they seem to have pretty good returns on invested capital. Maybe not across the board, but certain players do really well and other ones are maybe a little more in the struggle bus. So I think when you think about that, try not to focus maybe necessarily on the dollar amount that they're spending, but more about the efficiency. And that's what the ratio is telling you. Perfect. All right. I have nothing more to add. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, we will go ahead and wrap up our conversation on Mercedes-Benz and our bird's eye view of the company. We hope you enjoyed our conversation today about Mercedes-Benz. And thanks, Ryan, for sending us that great question. It was a lot of fun to talk about. If you're curious about ROIC, and I know you are, please go to our website, einvestingforbeginners.com. There are probably going to be about 25 articles about ROIC on the website, uh, ranging from beginners to more advanced level stuff. This is something that Andrew and I have spent a lot of time thinking about, writing, and learning about. So there's lots of great information for you there to learn more about ROIC and how the metric can help you become a better investor because it can. So without any further ado, I'll go ahead and sign us off. You guys go out there and invest with a margin of safety. Emphasis on the safety. Have a great week. We'll talk to you all next week. We hope you enjoyed this content. Seven Steps to Understanding the Stock Market shows you precisely how to break down the numbers in an engaging and readable way with real-life examples. Get access today at stockmarketpdf.com. Until next time, have a prosperous day. The information contained is for general information and educational purposes only. It is not intended for a substitute for legal, commercial, and or financial advice from a licensed professional. Review our full disclaimer at einvestingforbeginners.com.